I drop this clapboard like every week. <laughs> what? How do you? What? I'm impressed it's lasted as long as it has to be, Frank. So good job with the crafting. How do you drop it? Because <laughs> I move the box. And so every time, for some reason, I think just the way I pick up the box, it tends to slide out because it's just sitting on a piece of cardboard in the you box. You just and put it, it somewhere out. else. I could, but I put it in the box so I don't lose it because I have a tendency to you like. You just like tape a pouch to the table. I'm sticking a little pouch. That would be smart. Have not done that. <laughs> everybody and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Danielle. I'm Sam. And this is the podcast where one of us explains a weird piece of media to the other who has no experience with it. Yes, I am a fledgling baby bird learning to fly through the stories you will share me for the first time, Danielle. Okay, Sam. <laughs> anyway. What? You're going to appreciate that one? <laughs> You're going to like my, my nature metaphor this time? Well, you know what? See if I ever try it. anymore. <laughs> I always appreciate your newborn lamb stories or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you seem to like breeze by that. Like, I'm done with that. I'm done. I'm done time for this. You better have one heck of a story for me today, Danielle, if you're like, I'm not of time for none of your nonsense. We're going right oh, in. Oh, boy, do I. <laughs> okay. Well, prove it. Okay. We have gotten past spook retorts. Woo! Yay! <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs> but we're still running into Hyperion, so today you get a much-needed break from that those shenanigans. <laughs> well, that's like every week, Danielle. It is. Before I tell you what we're going to do this week, we are going to shout out one of our favorite friends of the podcast, Dustin. and Dustin! Dustin! And his co-hosts <laughs> for the Rewatch Recap. So listen to this little clip, and we'll be back in a second. Hi there, I'm Dustin. Do you have a comfort show that you always go back to? Or perhaps there's a TV series you haven't seen in a while and wonder if it's still any good? Well, welcome to the Rewatch Recap, a show where friends and I will queue up an older TV show we've seen and then give a breakdown with commentary of how we feel watching it now, and making fun of it if it doesn't hold up, of course. Dropping episodes weekly, it's easy to rewatch along with us. We'll be focusing on shows from most any era, so suggestions are always welcome. It's sure to be fun, so be sure to check in with us every Monday on the Rewatch Recap. And we're back. All right, today, Sam, we're doing the 1999. Disney Channel original movie. There it is. Can of worms. Oh, okay. Well, I should have predicted you have found your new vein of freshly minted weird media. I guess fresh is a, is a strong term, but fresh to me. I needed a break. We needed a breather from our normal stuff. What is your I normal stuff if not Disney Channel original movies at this time, Danielle? It's like 80% of the content you share. That's not, that's not true. I also do Nancy Drew. I've done some Hardy Boys. Okay, right. I'm sorry, yes. I've done some Korean dramas. <laughs> What do you want from me? I've done some rom-coms. I've done like four Sandra Bullock movies. <laughs> You've done like two. And we're also yeah. trending towards being nothing but Disney Channel original movies and Hyperion at this point. Don't worry. I'll take a break after this. I just, we needed a palate cleanser and this seemed like an easy win. <laughs> palate cleanser from what? Happy Death Day? <laughs> yes, exactly. So Sam, I'm going to apologize in advance for the ending of this movie. <laughs> That's bold. 
I, you know, bold strategy. Let's see how it pays off. I have feelings. We'll get to them. <laughs> okay. Well, if you have feelings, I can't wait to share all mine. All right. First, I'm going to send you my one sentence summary. Danielle's patented one sentence description. <laughs> Is it helpful? No, but we do it anyway. All right. There you go. I hate this already. <laughs> a teen is visited by aliens after he broadcasts a message into space. Hilarious. All right, this sounds a lot like what was that? Oh, uh, is it not, not the Travelers or something? There was a um, there was a movie about a bunch of kids who build a spaceship in their like home and they visit some weird alien who's also a kid. You know what I'm talking about, do you? I have no idea, and this is nothing like that movie. Great. I'll have to look that movie up. I remember it like watch it as a child, and I can never remember the name of it. All right, great. I can't wait to hear about this guy broadcasting a message into space. And apparently, it's like, oh, that kid with his weak ham radio. That's who we're going to talk to. Not, I don't know, all the massive satellite, radio satellite arrays that are broadcasting from SETI or whatever. Yes, you'll find out <laughs> what happens in this. Oh, I will boy. tell you, it's based on a book, uh, also called Can of Worms by Kathy Mackle. I did not read the book, but I did read that it was based on a book. Okay. Great. Thank you. Maybe I'll do the book next time. Maybe. Had I known it was a book first, I would have just read the book and done the, done the book retort on the book. However. I don't know. I'm sure the movie is insane in its own way, separate from the book. Yes. It's uh, it's wild. Actually, I kind of recommend watching this movie because the, the creatures are crazy. <laughs> okay. Also, just point of order, the movie was called Explorers, not Travelers. Excellent. Good, good job. You're welcome. There you go, everybody. <laughs> Just making clear that, that I think it sounds a lot like that movie, but, you know, Disney Channel original. I promise you it's nothing like that movie. This takes a, a sharp, sharp left turn for no reason whatsoever. That's a perfect movie for us, Danielle. I know. All right. You ready? Are you ready for this? No, but we're going to do it anyway. Begins with a thunderclap and the title card, Can of Worms. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> it was. A teen... <laughs> In a suit, runs around his fancy machine. It's just a bunch of like cords and boxes and a dish. And Can we be more specific about the suit? Is it like a prom suit he's like getting ready? Or is it like an overall? No, he is in a white like button down shirt with some suspenders and dress pants for reasons we don't know yet. Fancy suit. Got it. Like a fancy suit. Okay. I didn't know if it was like a boiler suit or something. I don't know. He's staring up at the sky as the storm rolls in and he's attaching cables. He's obviously in some kind of, I he's would say. He's going to try to power something with lightning, isn't he? He is. He's in a bit of a panic. That's, not, that's a terrible <laughs> idea. No, it's not. He's not planning that. He puts on a pair of headphones with a microphone and sits in front of his laptop and, and the storm starts like raging down on top of him. There's a big sun button at the bottom of the screen. A big sun button at the bottom of the screen. So you put on a headset. Send, send button. Oh, send button. And he put on a headset. Got it. Got it. He says into the microphone, fellow citizens of the galaxy, I do not belong on this planet. I am one of you. I am being held against <laughs> my will. <laughs> my potential to realize a happy and fulfilled life nullified by the ignorant and cruel indigenous <sighs> population of Earth. You must save me. Take me away from this. Desperately in need of your assistance. Mike Pillsbury. Sounds like every teenager ever. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> I despise this child already. And it takes a lot for me to hate a child. <laughs> he's a teenager. You can, you're allowed. He's probably like 15, 16. Yeah, and he's all like, I am much better than every other person on this planet. I alone am special. Everyone else here is just my automatons. Wait till he enters college and has his first <laughs> freshman philosophy course. And he become insufferable. <laughs> 
I think it's more that he just doesn't feel like he belongs, not that he thinks he's better than anybody. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Does the teenager not feel like he fits in with everyone else? That he's unique and special? Yeah, well, that's the plot of the story, Sam, is realizing that he's not unique and special. (laughs) Okay. I mean, again, I'm not trying to belittle, like, how difficult it is growing up and being a teenager, but it doesn't make it any more insufferable when you're like, I'm the one who doesn't fit in and everyone else is saying the exact same thing. Well, yeah, but when you're a teenager, you don't realize that everybody else feels the exact same way. (laughs) This is why we have the benefit of hindsight can make fun of that because we went through it. We were insufferable (laughs) teenagers and now we can look back and say like, yep, that was us and it sucked. Exactly. So that's where Mike Pillsbury is in his life. Mike Pillsbury, insufferable teenager trying to teach aliens (laughs) to get off of Earth. Got it. (laughs) He's just more creative than the rest of us. (laughs) I swear, if that actually works, it's nonsense. So he hits send and electricity visually runs through the cables and into the machine and pulses out of the dish attached to it, shooting it into the sky like a bat signal. And he like stands up and he shouts yes enthusiastically and he's like staring up at the storm. He's like, yes, come and get me. What? Does he know like anything about you know cosmic distances or the speed of light and how limited his reach will be? Uh, Sam, he knows everything, okay? He's brilliant. Oh, he's one of those, huh? (laughs) All right, two weeks prior. Wait, wait, wait. Again, this reminds me of another movie. The <laughs> Was it Charlie Sheen where they have the aliens and they're like polluting Earth to make the greenhouse effect happen? Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, it is very stupid and it's hilarious. <laughs> like the, the aliens have like knees that bend backwards. Great. We should do an alien run of movies. I'm doing an alien run of books, Danielle. What more do you want? <laughs> That's true. But they're not the fun aliens in your book. It's called The Arrival, by the way. Just making sure to put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a bad alien mo- movie suggestions. That's what our podcast has been dissolved into. By the way, The Shrike, the most fun alien, Danielle. He's a DJ. That's true. He's a DJ. He has kittens. What's not to like? All right, let's get back to this kid who is, uh, we flash back two weeks earlier to him just leading his ordinary life. What led up to this momentous occasion where he shouts yes while pushing a button that does absolutely nothing useful? Yes. So Mike is recapping a story about aliens to a kid and a friend in a very fancy treehouse. And it has slides, like he has slides that he's drawn on his laptop, but he keeps pushing the button and it shows the picture. Like he has an illustrated story that he's telling He has a PowerPoint slide on his laptop that he's making a bunch of his friends through in his treehouse. Okay, but the kid is very involved. This kid's probably like 10 and he's like super into the alien story and his friend has clearly heard it before, but is supportive. (laughs) Okay. Can I be like, this would be not a fun activity from my perspective. I'm going to be honest. So he's recapping the story. It goes on for quite a while and I wasn't sure how important it was, so I didn't write it down. I meant to go listen to it again because it is vaguely important, but... I did it. So this is this is my summary of what I'm pretty sure the story was, and I, I apologize, <laughs> Disney Channel original movie fans, if this was not the actual story. It is a one line summary. So the story I think is about a planet at war and with aliens, obviously, and it's there's like a peaceful alien branch, and then there's a wait. branch that's coming in to to kill the aliens, take over their wait, planet. Wait. Okay, so there's an, a planet that is fighting off an alien invasion. Essentially, I think. And sure, at the end okay. Of, <laughs> and at the end of the story, the parents, the par- alien parents, have this baby. And they said, they, they like Moses the baby. They send the baby he's, out He's trying to say the, he's that baby. Well, he's not saying that he's the baby. He's just telling a story. This is uh-huh. a parallel but this is what to, we're getting towards, right? Yes, it's like the idea that he might be the baby. This but, is Superman. <laughs> <laughs> so the parents send the baby out into, out into the whatever, to the ether, and it ends up on Earth being raised by Earth parents. It's just Superman, Danielle. It's basically just Superman sans alien invasion and something else destroying the planet. 
Yes, with different kinds of aliens. And so this is like a story that he's dreamed about in his life. And so he put it together a little uh, presentation for all the for the kid in his neighborhood. <laughs> this is this kid sucks. It's just like imagine like, hey, you want to hang out in my treehouse? Sure, you get up there. It's like, hey, welcome to my TED talk where I'm going to talk to you about my dreams. So it's like two but of the, the worst <laughs> things put together. The best part is though is this movie seems to suggest that like. It's a trait that he's well known for and people are into it. It's like, oh, have you heard Mike's stories before? They're pretty cool. <laughs> I'm like, nobody cares when you're 16. <laughs> and also like, hey, let me tell you about my dreams with this PowerPoint presentation. Like, oh. He's a good storyteller. It is a good story. <laughs> I'm sure he is, but nothing like would make me want to turn down an invitation to hang out in someone's treehouse more than them saying, hey, come to my treehouse. Let me tell you about my dreams. Like, no, thank you. Oh, no, it's cool. I have a PowerPoint. I'm like, no, absolutely no, thank you. <laughs> like, it's adding more bad on top of bad. <laughs> So the tail end of the story, Sam, is that the kid is raised on this other planet on Earth and he never feels entirely at home or that he belongs and he gets all melancholic while he's telling the story. It's obviously a metaphor for his life. I mean, sure. Okay. He'll grow his, out of it. His friend played – I'm the only character I tell you who this is played by. His friend is played by Adam Wiley. I don't know if you know who Adam Wiley is, but he was Curly in Hey Arnold and he is in literally everything. If you saw his oh. picture, you'd go, oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was in like every 90s, early 2000s show ever. All right. Adam Wiley, you know, doing good work. I appreciate a yeah. man who works or anyone who works. Ton of voiceover work, but it was also a character in a ton of things as well. Like things you've watched. I love people who are like those sort of unsung heroes who do like all the roles, but no one really, like they're not front and center. So they're not like super famous, but they're like doing everything. Yeah. He was always like the sidekick best friend character. I appreciate that. That's a really important work to have. <laughs> it is. So he's, you know, listening to the story and he's like, dude, you take this whole being weird thing way too seriously. Just accept that you're a normal human being like everyone else, <laughs> which Please. he knows where it's at. <laughs> Mike laughs and's like, okay. And then Mike's dad calls out that they need to get going to the field. Apparently, Mike is on the football team, but only because his dad says that it'll be good for his character. That's a terrible reason to make a kid play football. I mean, making kids play football is already kind of questionable, as we've learned in, in many recent years. But, uh... Just a built character. His dad is not any better than Mike. Oh, I feel like the the parents are like not super represented in this movie. But there's a scene later on with his dad that I'm like, geez, Louise, dude. Oof, <laughs> They're oof. supposed to be good parents, and I'm not sure. I'm not convinced. Yeah, fair. So his team doesn't really love him, mostly because he's terrible at football. Reasonable. He... I mean, again, I'm not saying being good at football gives you worth as a person, but if you're going to be on a football team, it helps to be good at football. I have to assume it's one of those teams where they just let anybody on, like you didn't have to try out. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he's got this big old crush on one of the cheerleaders named Caitlin. All right. I, I, I already don't care about this romantic subplot. <laughs> So in his haste to show off, like he's watching her, and then in his haste to show off, he shockingly manages to catch the football, but in his panic, he runs the wrong way to the goal, finally getting tackled right before the, the end line and almost passes out. Oh, so he gets tackled right near the his own end zone and passes out. His, well, the other team's end zone. <laughs> no, his own, because that's... <laughs> yes, his own, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So while laying vaguely unconscious, he starts to see hallucinations of aliens in spacesuits, and he starts shouting not to let them take him. They want his brain! And the guy checking him out, which is maybe the coach, maybe the doctor, suggests that someone already took it. And his family, while being supportive, basically treats him like a moron. Is like, get back out there, you go, boy. So this keep, child keep has, working at it. <laughs> has a concussion, most likely. Yes. And everyone's just like, hey, 
get your butt back in gear. Again, this is very <laughs> emblematic of football culture at that time period, which was yeah, not well. good. <laughs> All right, cut to the backyard, and he's setting up his dish device. I think he just stole his family's satellite TV dish. <laughs> Actually, they won't notice that, I'm sure. Honey, why can't I get Jeopardy? Where's Jeopardy? Like I said, they're supportive of him. They just like, it really seems like that's what he's doing. His mom calls him inside and sets up her TV to play German music. Like there's people dancing, like polka music. Yeah, it's like polka music, but it's like in the German outfits, they're dancing behind her on the TV. And then she she makes a phone call in German. I have literally no idea what this woman does for her job. Apparently she is German. Maybe she's just calling her family back in Germany. It gets more confusing from here his dad seems to be involved in stocks and mike interrupts his morning routine to tell his dad he's has this very adult conversation where he goes like i don't not sure i want to stick with football and his dad he's like i just i'm not that good at it his dad's like you can't what's about that can do spirit you can do anything you set your mind to he's not true (laughs) mike yeah well mike says like i'm not saying i can't do it i'm saying that i don't enjoy football and i don't want to do it i would prefer to do other things and his dad definitely waves him off and is like you can do it 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 builds your character it's good for you you know (laughs) and i'm like no your son is having a completely adult valid conversation that he does not like what he's doing and you're forcing him to do it. <laughs> okay, first things first. That idea that you can do anything you put your mind to, I mean, I'm not saying it's bad to encourage people to, you know, follow their bliss or whatever, but you know, there is natural divisions in humanity. Like some people can do certain things that I can't do, and that's fine. It's about finding things that you like to do and, and excelling at them. Yeah. Which is what I think the kid is saying here, and the dad is not getting. (laughs) To be fair, I don't think they prevent him from doing anything else. It's not like they're saying you have to do football at the cost of other things that you like to do, but they're saying you do have to stick with football. That's not good. You can also do other things, but you do have to stick with football, so... I, I don't mean, know, questionable. Is his dad a big football fan? Like, why do they care about football? Why can't you do something his else dad about his character? Seems, I, think, I think there's a line right at the beginning when his dad's calling him to the field that he did it, had done it as a kid or something. Oh, uh, one of those things. Yeah. So at school, Scott Schreibner, jock and computer star, picks on him in the computer class. <laughs> so Scott Schreibner? That's his name. With a V or a B? Uh, B is in boy. Schreibner. Got it. So he is the computer programmer jock bully true yeah he's like a's in his classes he's a jock and yeah he's apparently has some computer knowledge but i thought was an interesting combination of things you don't normally see in a movie i mean to be fair in 99 like right around you know the y2k panic maybe they're like trying to think about the future like hey in the future all of the tech people are going to be the ones who are the top of the social hierarchy and going to be the jerks i think it's supposed to be like a counterpart to mike because he is also super into computers but he's like the nerd version of that and so i think it's this idea that like there's a somebody who's really popular and good at computers versus him who's not so what you're saying is being into certain things like computers it isn't what makes you a nerd it's just being a weaker or you know somewhat different person i think it's the confidence person. it's yeah, the yeah, self-confidence yeah. that's what i'm getting at. i'm trying to like i'm deconstructing the concept of nerdism yeah i think in this in this particular case it's a self-confidence thing i think if he had the self-confidence people would like him more I, I mean that's a, a weird thing about uh self-confidence people like you if you have but you don't have it. it's really hard to get it because no one likes you well yeah well i think it's hard to approach people sometimes yeah if I agree. they don't want to talk to you to begin with that's fair 
or can't or feel like they can't. Anyway, so he, you know, gives them a hard time when he comes into the computer class. This is obviously 1999, so they have the big junky monitors. It's great. Love those. And the cheerleader comes in. It seems maybe to be one of her first classes. I don't I don't know, but she says, "Hi, I just transferred seat. to the computer <laughs> science class in the middle of the semester." <laughs> it's weird cuz she's looking around trying to find a seat and she ends up sitting in the empty seat next to Mike. Of course she does. <laughs> Scott clearly has designs on her as well. And so Scott puts in a floppy disk to into his computer and just hits a button and it I don't know, magically sends a message to Mike's computer that says, Wait. "I have your <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> go finish. I want to hear all this ends before I, I voice my objections. <laughs> <laughs> so it sends a message. It just like pops up on the screen. Like it fills the whole screen. It says, I have your brain, but I'll give it back. Don't let a good mind go to waste. And there's like a steaming pile of garbage on the screen. All right. It's like the magic instant messenger program. <laughs> yeah. That hijacks another person's computer from your computer using a floppy disk. And I presume these are not networked because internet was, I guess, still nascent, but it was more of a thing then. But it wasn't like you had a lot of like every school had their own local area network where all the computers were connected. Yeah. And one keystroke. That's the amazing part. Well, I mean, he obviously he pre-wrote this program on this floppy disk and loaded it up. Apparently. So his friend, which is uh, Adam Wiley, but is actually named Nick. I googled because I was curious. <laughs> what his name was? Does he never get a name in the movie? I don't know if he ever did. I don't remember ever hearing it. So his friend, Nick, is like, you're going to let him get away with that? And Mike pulls out his own floppy disk and pushes no. it into the computer. Dually floppy disk. Yeah, the music that's playing is kind of this like slightly, it's not dueling banjos, but it does definitely have a kind of like, kind of vibe. That's hilarious. I really love that they do like dueling drive noises, like the floppy drives are reading like, and it's like going back and forth. <laughs> All right. So the teacher's computer alerts that she has email. And so she pulls it up and it says, I think of you day and night. Come see me, your principal, Mr. Haynes. P.S. No. You can call me Doug. <laughs> no. That sexual harassment in the workplace, not okay, especially given the power discrepancy between the teachers and the principal. Okay, but it's not obvious. It's not. Like, obviously, it's a fake email. I get it. But, like, she should be absolutely gobsmacked by this. Well, she's shocked, but she's clearly pleased. And she tells the class she needs to go to attend something in the office. No, why? Yeah. How? <laughs> teachers are smart. Smarter than this. Okay, now that she's gone, Mike hits a button and sends animated pigs to everybody's computer. Uh, the pigs are rolling around in dirt, and when the pig turns around, it has Scott's face, and everyone laughs. Scott narrows his eyes at him and shakes his head. <laughs> These kids are apparently wizards when it comes to computers. <laughs> amazing. Truly amazing. Okay, back in the tree fort, Mike's sister interrupts. Like, she crawls up the ladder and tells him that Caitlin, some girl named Caitlin, is there. And it's that's a cheerleader. The cheerleader. Yeah, of course. And apparently it's waiting in his room. They laugh because they think that she's, like, just pranking them until it occurs to them it might be real, and he rushes into the house just to check. <sighs> Why is she there? Well, Is she Caitlin, an alien? No. Caitlin's <laughs> in his room. And she's super into, interested in all the mechanical computer stuff that's all over it. Apparently, this kid just has like thousands of dollars worth of mechanical equipment in his Let bedroom. me tell you, uh, Danielle, from experience, <laughs> no girl has ever gone to my room and be like, oh, I love all your computer stuff. That makes me so horny for you. Yeah, well, she's super interested in it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> she asks what one of his projects is that he's working on. It's on his desk. And he tells her it's a transmitter. It takes digitized data from a computer and sends it out into space. It's a work in progress. It's not quite working yet. You mean it's a radio. That's what a radio does. <laughs> it's a fancy radio. <laughs> 
So apparently she's there because she thought the prank he pulled was brilliant and it got her thinking. How is it better than the other prank? And A, why did the teacher have to leave the room for it? Because it went on to all the computers. So he's actually less brilliant than Scott's prank, who imagined to be targeted to a computer he didn't know he was going to be sitting at beforehand. I'm sure he could probably target it, but decided not to. But he just did because he's not as cool. Got it. Because he wanted everybody to see the pain. I'm just saying, I'm not sure his prank is any more impressive than Scott's. I don't know if it is either, but uh, apparently she doesn't want to ask Scott for help. She wants to ask Mike for help. She's doing the decorations for the Halloween dance, and she was hoping he could help with something more high-tech and creative so it wouldn't just be boring like crepe paper and balloons. Okay, sure, fine. And he's very excited by this idea. And we cut scene to a montage of planning and digging through storage rooms for cool stuff to repurpose for the dance. I I support that. I would be all into that, too. I know you would be. It's totally your kind of project. It is. Oh, gosh. Where was... <laughs> Caitlin, when I was in high school. <laughs> so they obviously are growing closer and becoming friends over the montage. And at the end, they look over their work enthusiastically. And Caitlin says they're a good team. And Mike's surprised by that since they came from such different backgrounds. Like she's a cheerleader and he's such a geek. Oh, my gosh. It's a Romeo and Juliet thing. How can they ever reconcile their immense differences? Both being, I assume, white kids at a high school in the suburbs. <laughs> She's like, she tells him for being such a geek, he sure is dumb. And like, why couldn't they be friends or work well together? That's just stupid. Or more than friends. They almost have a moment. And then she tells him that she's heard he tells some good stories and wants to hear one. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, what? No, I just tell my friend's little brother these stupid stories. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you a story. That's weird. (laughs) I refuse to accept that. This weird kid's like, ever like, oh, he is the master bard of the high school. Everyone go to, what's his name, Mike, for all your storytelling needs. Let him regale you for a few coins. He will tell you a tale of mystery and adventure. There's he's, at least... the local, he's at the local inn entertaining visitors from out of town. There's at least two to three times in this movie that somebody references Mike's storytelling ability as like something that's well known. This is insane, Danielle. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the aliens yet. I'm already thinking this is insane. I know. There's insane. a lot of background in this movie. I'm impressed. They put some Are effort into sure it. Are we sure that this isn't an alien planet? Like it's some kind of like twist where like, no, these were aliens all along and they're not actually humans because they don't behave like humans. No. I, don't, I can't tell you that, Sam. It would ruin <laughs> okay. the story. She insists and he launches into his story, which is just the alien story. Without the PowerPoint, be- though, so it doesn't have the impact. <laughs> I know. It's true. <laughs> Only to be interrupted by Scott telling them they're heading out for food. Caitlin thinks it's a good time to take a break. And Scott is like, did I invite him? I don't think so. And she's like, well, I invited him, so screw off. <laughs> well, Mike's ass is back and Caitlin steps in between them to break it up, telling Scott to tell everyone he- she says hi. She's not going. And Mike okay. is super shocked that she stayed behind and didn't go with him. And now you put you tell her a different story. It's about the... Boy Mike, love machine, and how he is the perfect person for Caitlin. Put those PowerPoint skills to good work there, Mike. Clearly, you have found the one girl in the universe, possibly, who is into (laughs) your weird mechanical stuff and your goofy alien stories. Yeah, somehow, basically. You better capitalize on that. (laughs) 
so Caitlin's amused at their rivalry and they decide to go get some food instead of continuing with the story. Maybe he's going to continue with the story later. I don't know. Wild. Meanwhile, Scott and his sidekick friend break into the gym to obviously tamper with the Halloween decorations, which is a jerk move since Caitlin is heading it and he likes Caitlin. Yeah, yeah, but he's obviously trying to make Mike look bad, but now he's screwed up the decorations. I know. That's exactly what he's doing. Of course I, he I is. Think I should tell you at this point that for some reason I thought Scott was named Matt and I don't know where I got that from. Um, but I wrote Matt in my notes for like pages before I suddenly realized his name was Scott. <laughs> and I had to go back through and fix it. I was like, why did they name them Matt and Mike? This is stupid. Well, the book <laughs> so retorts. mad about it. Our attention to detail is second to none. <laughs> That's why you come to us for all our detail-oriented facts and representations of media. <laughs> like somebody about halfway through the movie was like, Scott Schreiber. And I was like, his name is Scott? <laughs> <laughs> I love how you create your own drama whenever you watch something. Like, there could be the craziest story going on the TV, but you've always found some way to make it more dramatic in your own, like, weird way. You surprise yourself with something that isn't surprising in the movie. Hilarious. Okay. So, I assume it's the day of the dance because Mike is in a suit and he's soldering something at his kitchen table. And his parents come up and his dad is like, we... We, we regret now that we never sent you to dance lessons. And his mom pulls out a video cassette and is like, now, this is a little something that I distributed to a chain of stations throughout the Canary Islands and for closed circuit on cruise ships. Ten easy lessons. It's apparently a dance video. I don't know what his mom does. So, what wait. What does his mom do? I was, I was ready to guess that she had like a home video of him dancing that they were going to play and embarrass him with. <laughs> no, but this is her lessons. produced dance video. <laughs> Yes. I am flummoxed. What does she do? What did she say in German on the phone that would give us any insight? <laughs> okay. If anyone out there speaks German has seen this movie, translate her dialogue to us. It may be nonsense because it's probably just an American with a bad German accent, but please. She does say something about Oktoberfest, and that was all I caught, obviously. Maybe she's like some German. kind of media person. Like she provides media for cruise ships and not, you know, looping background videos for oh, festivals. Absolutely. At first I thought she was like maybe like a news reporter or a journalist or something. I don't know, I just had that vibe. And then, but then she started talking in German and then with music and then this. And I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I still don't know what she does. And apparently she's like, I have this dance video. This somehow makes us regret not sending you to dance, even though you've expressed no interest in dance to us whatsoever. Yeah. Well, she tossed the tape in front of him to you know watch before the dance and then she and her dad and the dad dance off <laughs> so they're like you're going to a dance and we regret never sending you to dance lessons because you're about to go to your first high school dance so watch this dance instructional video instead yes <laughs> instead of me like teaching you how to dance also speaking as a kid who went to high school dances uh no one there knows how to dance let me be honest <laughs> <laughs> no and you don't need to know you just need to like wiggle a little bit it's fine right it's very awkward and not very <laughs> dance like so you're fine <laughs> The bar is very low. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. For reasons, they didn't seem to meet super early to set everything up at this dance. So now everybody's just like milling around the front of the gym waiting to be let in. Oh, they didn't do like a run through on no, the day No, like, it's wild. So he Insane. like runs in. You can tell Amateurs. he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, oh, sorry. And like, he's there. And I'm like, what? Like, what? What delayed you this long that people are already at the dance? <laughs> he was watching the dance video, Danielle, obviously. <laughs> yeah, he was soldering the lights that are, he has a lights over his like tux. To the glow. So he has like a, an, a wearable electronic suit. Kind Absolutely. Of thing. Got it. Cool. 
Love that. Yep. So they're prepping everything. He's like, oh, it's really quick. Don't worry. I'll be up in just a second. The camera follows a long cord across the room behind a curtain where Scott is sitting with his friend and his own laptop. Uh-oh. <laughs> Everybody enters, and apparently Mike is the MC. <laughs> what? I don't know what's going on in this movie. <laughs> Why does he have the charisma to MC a dance? I mean, no He's offense. Totally... Not many people do. <laughs> He's totally into it, but this is what he says. I quote so many things from this movie, but I, I feel like I'm gonna. I'll tell you what he says. I really like ten minutes into this movie, Danielle. I feel like we're about ten minutes into this story. No, we're probably we're farther than that. Okay. He, I know it's surprising how much backstory there is to this. He announces to the crowd that the night's decorations were brought to them by Mike Pillsbury Starfield Intergalactic Communications and Entertainment Corporation and the talented and inspirational Caitlin Sandman. Okay. <laughs> There's he a lot actually, to unpack He's like, there. everybody, settle down. Quiet, please, please. I have an announcement before the dance begins. <laughs> There's so much to unpack there. First off, her name is Sandman. Yeah, Caitlin Sandman. <laughs> Perfect. Great. No further commentary. Just wanted to highlight that point. <laughs> I laughed when I heard it. Second, his company name uh, sucks. because <laughs> so long. Yes. You need something short and pay the book to remember. And, you know, I assume he has a website because he's a tech kid in the 90s that he would probably have a website with a name that's going to be like 50 characters long. That's impossible. And even the acronym for that would be M-P-S-F-I-C-E and C if you wanted to add corporation to the end. <laughs> I'm really glad you figured out the acronym, Danielle. Or I should say the initialism because that's <laughs> like delightful. The, the why? Just why? Okay. Anyway, well, he's not brilliant at marketing, that's for sure. <laughs> he turns on his fancy rotating light music extravaganza and everybody starts dancing and, and whooping and hollering and having a great time. Meanwhile, Scott pushes the button on his computer and the machine suddenly comes to a stop, then starts rotating the opposite way, going faster and faster, the music going backwards, and then it bursts into flames. <laughs> I No, that's not how any of that works. <laughs> Scott laughs because he's apparently a psychopath who's fine with mass murder if the fire gets out of control in the gym. That's bonkers. <laughs> uh, Mike's trying to stop it, but he can't, and he gets blasted with the fire extinguisher, and he's just standing there completely embarrassed and miserable. And though Caitlin and Nick try to console him, he grabs his laptop and runs for it. And this is apparently the inciting incident for wanting to be off planet. So he's like, I gotta make my intergalactic corporation the real deal. <laughs> yes. He's like, I'm so embarrassed to be a, a sophomore in high school that I now need to be off planet so I can make my intergalactic business a real deal. <laughs> I mean, being a sophomore in high school sucks. I'll, I'll, I'll agree to that. That's quick a rough question, estimate. <laughs> yes. Do me a quick favor. Can you tell me the name of his company again? Because I've already forgotten every word of his company name. Sure. It is Mike Pillsbury Starfield Intergalactic Communications and Entertainment Corporation. Great. Thank you. I will not remember that. I just want to hear it again. <laughs> amazing <laughs> crazy all right cue the storm and him rushing around his dish machine he dish seems machine is, wait, wait, <laughs> that's what it is it's a giant dish with a bunch of like cords attached to it when you say dish machine danielle all i think about is like oh that's just someone who doesn't know what a dishwasher is called no so it's this giant <laughs> i know what you're saying dish, it's a satellite dish i got gotcha. to a bunch of like uh, like metal boxes with wires and buttons and you know looks kind of fancy blinky lights the whole nine yards yeah, i'm sure exactly so the bat signal goes that goes out we get to the scene where it goes out of the dish again but this time lightning shoots down and strikes it so wait this time is different than the opening from the movie no it just never got to the part with the lightning ah. 
Got it. So you see the whole scene leading up to that. So he does all the bit with the, right, right. like, okay. come and get so me thing. He gets and struck everything. by lightning. He dies. Movie over. No, he doesn't get struck by lightning. Oh. The dish gets struck by lightning. And it explodes, killing him with shrapnel. He dies. Movie over. It does kind of look like it explodes a little bit. Cut to breakfast. Next day, his dad is saying, let's focus on the positives. The insurance will cover the satellite damage. Nobody at school was hurt. You're okay. Like, you're going to be fine, buddy. <laughs> they were remarkably blasé about their child's obvious cry for help. Like, Literal cry for help. <laughs> and his sister, who I completely have, like, not talked about, but his sister says it's only right that he suffers because now they, they're reduced to ordinary network programming on their TV. I like her. She's got her priorities <laughs> straight. She's very sassy. And the mom's like, you're correct, but we are going to survive. We'll be fine. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. His dad tells him to buck up and get back on the horse. The varsity jacket awaits him. And he no, shuffles off. And his parents look dejected, but they can't help him more. I mean, they could have. They just chose not to. They chose not to, I know. So at school, everybody is staring at him. And it occurred to me that usually you see scenes in movies where everybody's staring at somebody and you're like, that would never happen in real life. But I feel like if you tried to blow up the school dance, everybody might stare at you the next day at school. I do remember when someone set our gym on fire once when somebody I was in school. Somebody set our gym on fire? Yeah, yeah. I was like the last day of school. And I was uh, I think it was like literally my last day of school there. When you were a senior? <laughs> yeah. That's why I didn't know about that. I wasn't yeah. there. There was like some kind of assembly or something and someone came out with like sparklers and roller skates. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And they went back into like whatever the green room they were using in the gym to set up and apparently they set their clothes on fire or something. We had to evacuate the gym. That's so sad. I think, I'm not going to say anymore. I don't want to make an identifying comment, but if there had been more school, I imagine they would have gotten some stairs. <laughs> some stairs. That's sad. Okay. So anyway, it was one of the few times I actually believed a scene like that. <laughs> and he passes Caitlin and she kind of like looks startled and she goes, um, what? And I can't tell if she's trying to avoid him or just doesn't know what to say. Like she kind of says it rudely. Caitlin. Don't be a jerk. So back in his treehouse after school, a you know, cut scene, we don't actually get to see him suffer through school. Aww. He's decided to take a nap. And as he closes his eyes, a light passes over the rooftop and the house starts to shake. He opens his eyes and he looks out and sees, what does he see, Sam? Spaceship. No, he sees a dog. Why would I be able to guess a dog, Danielle? I don't know. That's why I was giving you an opportunity because <laughs> you were going to guess a dog. <laughs> He sees a dog. It's an alien in dog form. Got it. It's a dog with a diamond-shaped glowing blue device hanging on a collar. And Mike's Isn't like, this just like that movie Cats and Dogs or Cats versus Dogs where it was like they, they were of. both aliens who That's came to Earth? That's a weird movie. I have really distinct memories of that movie for reasons. <laughs> I have very vague memories of that movie. I don't think we watched it together, which is we weird. Didn't. We've both no. seen it and we, ha we didn't watch it It together. came out like the year I moved here or like the year before or something because I remember thinking, I don't know why, I remember thinking about the movie where I lived when I moved here. <laughs> Like within Crazy. the first, first few days of living here. I, I think I saw it on TV or something. I'm like, this is awful. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> anyway, alien dog. Sorry. Digression. Yes. And he's like, hey, buddy, you know, how'd you get in here? And goes to help the dog when a voice emanates from it. It says, please don't touch me. Question. My pe Yes. Do they do the, the hilarious dog lips like this no. dog mouth? No. Oh, my God, Sam. I'll get into it in just a second. It's terrifying. <laughs> okay. Great. Yes. Okay. I love this. <laughs> it goes, my people are a superior race and we abhor casual contact with primitives. The camera zooms in on the blue thing around its neck, like around its collar, and apparently it's a set of giant blue lips with glowing lights around it, and the lips move as it talks. So it is wearing a mouth it's on a collar. It's wearing a mouth on a collar. <laughs> 
and it's huge. The lips are like bigger than the size of those wax lips you get at like Halloween. <laughs> and it's calling us the primitives. You're a freaking horror show, my dog, dude. <laughs> oh my god, so scary. I mean, like, and the camera keeps zooming in on it every time he talks. So I was like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to see this. I have nightmares already. Get it out of my the, face. The aliens in this are wild. <laughs> I mean, okay. if they're all dogs with horrifying lip collars, then yeah. It's not. I'm, I'm going to find pictures for you after this because I, oh, I need to see I don't want to see that, Daniel. I don't. <laughs> the alien explains that it's his translation device. Mike says that he must have finally lost his mind. And the voice is like, you haven't. You're gifted with an abundance of intelligence. Otherwise, mm. he wouldn't have been able to open the door. Uh. And the door... You might ask what that is. It's a Stargate, Sam. He, he made a Stargate in his backyard when his satellite just got struck by lightning. Yes, he did. <laughs> Wait, why aren't there just Stargates popping up everywhere then? I don't know. Some kind of, you have to have some kind of uh, combination of things to get a Stargate right. Also, he did nothing to try to create a Stargate. This is about his intelligence. This is blind luck. Like, it wasn't like he set out to make a Stargate and had a brilliant realization. This has nothing to do with how smart he is. Right. We ha- well, we get into that, actually. Surprisingly, this movie gets into that. <laughs> okay, great. I'm sorry. I thought they were going to let that slide. My mistake. I give I this movie too little credit, clearly. <laughs> you open the Stargate and chime music plays. And Mike looks over and sees a portal coming out. It's a floating doghouse. Like, no. Yes. Okay, this is the weird thing about this movie, Sam, is that the creatures seem like, uh, kind of like, they look like, they're like real. They're, I, I don't think they're like CGI, or at least not entire CGI. They look you know, like, the 90s like puppets. Anyway. You're right. But the, all the portals are animated. So it's like this weird Like mix. cartoons? Yeah, like cartoon style animation. But these like real looking creatures, and it's the weirdest combination. <laughs> It's very like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, it's a bizarre. So the floating doghouse entrance comes up and it has like the portal, the whirls, you know, with the portal in it. Yeah, yeah. And the entity, the alien, introduces itself as Barnabas from the star system Puppis. Boo! (laughs) You suck. Your name sucks. (laughs) It represents a Galactarian organization, disaster relief rights violation place it's a non-profit it's a non-profit okay what's <laughs> what what's the initialism for that one danielle he doesn't have one it doesn't have it like it doesn't have an official name i don't think okay well whatever it is it sounds insane basically it's a galactarian organization that does disaster leads rights rights violations etc etc so he's like a, it's basically amnesty international but amnesty intergalactic yes exactly so the camera insists on showing, like I said, the blue lips over and over every single time we talk, and Mike insists he needs to go. And the voice is like, that's impossible. We have to get off planet immediately. That was the intention, right? Why are you delaying this longer than it needs to be? Let's go. <laughs> I mean, Mike, you got what you asked for. Let's just go with this crazy dog alien. What's the problem? Wait, okay. Ooh. All right. First, if these aliens are really intelligent and are calling us primitive, they must know there is a knowledge gap between their knowledge of the universe and ours. They should understand that this primitive wouldn't be all like, yes, let me go with you, strange alien thing. They would be freaking out. Like anyone who knew anything, this would be like me taking a cell phone to some isolated tribe and being like, hey, here's a cell phone. Who wants to come with me now? They somehow seem to think that because he created the portal that maybe he has more knowledge than he has or at least they kind of act like that a little bit barnabas is the only one that explains anything and he did say he was an alien trapped on earth so i guess that's that could explain why they don't treat him like a primitive earthling quite possibly so barnabas says that the longer they delay the departure the more complex it all becomes quote unquote whatever that means yeah, no, nice hand wavy clock making there, buddy. No, we'll get we'll get there actually. So Mike tells the alien that he appreciates it coming all this way, but as he doesn't believe it exists, he doesn't believe in aliens. He's going to have to pass. <laughs> Good argument. 
<laughs> I, I kind of like that he doesn't fully believe in the thing that he requested to take him off planet. I mean, would He's you, like, Daniel? Just kidding. No. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He climbs down the treehouse, but the dog is waiting at the bottom and says he doesn't understand this since, you know, what his message said was that he wanted to get off planet. But they need to go because others from all over the galaxy are traveling towards him right now and they won't have his best interests at heart. So... Apparently just a gaggle of various alien races have heard his magic transmission. They're all coming to Earth to investigate because he's apparently the most special boy in the universe. Yes. Okay, you got fine. it in one. <laughs> he's the first Earthling to like make contact with the aliens and therefore is like a big deal. If I was the alien and like Earthlings reached out and made contact with us, my first reaction would be, uh-oh, we are in so much trouble right now. <laughs> Right. Not, hey, let's all go meet the Earthlings. This is, because uh, this is, it's kind of funny. The next few scenes are pretty funny, but the, I feel like I wonder if the book explains more of this as to like why this is happening the way that it happens. You'll see. Okay. So Mike runs off. He's like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> and the voice yells to trust no one but him and to be ready to leave the next time it sees him. Sees Anytime it, a stranger I don't, I don't says... Know. Trust no one but me. It makes me not want to trust them. I know. I feel like at this point, Barnabas being evil would be like a classic turnaround for a TV Yeah, it's like movie. the most obvious thing. So, I mean, Barnabas is really on you. Mike runs into the bathroom to do self-check. He's convinced he's like sick or food deprived or something. Like he's having hallucinations. He decides to eat something. And as he's eating and checking his computer, globs of clear goo fall from above, landing on his food. And startled, he looks up and sees a giant pipe above him, kind of like the Mario pipes, glowing green and a goopy green alien pushing through it he freaks out no. and pushes back <laughs> and the alien drops to his desk in front of him i'm gonna explain this alien i'll show you pictures at some point later but let me okay. explain it for our listeners here and you i mean that is the medium we have chosen danielle yes i need you to imagine a giant ball of lettuce like okay. i don't know just put your arms out in a circle that's how big this lettuce ball is so like a beach ball size lettuce exactly and then it has like a imagine a mouse type of nose but more like a tan color with giant nostrils and then human teeth <laughs> i don't then, want to imagine any of that danielle all of that is terrifying and then giant unconnected eyes that are just like two eyes in the pile of lettuce with like big blinky uh, lids and then he has little squid arms just like two little squid arms out the front of him so that he can grab what stuff. is this is this cronenberg <laughs> did he direct this movie <laughs> it's so good <laughs> And it says, I am the bomb. I am the bomb. I am the bomb. Your new best friend. It says Mike needs his help and he's come to handle his case. Mike is very confused. <laughs> so this is his, his intergalactic lawyer then? Uh, yeah. And the bomb says it can get him millions in galactic credits and he will take care of him for life. Shall they go through the pipe? Let's go before anybody else shows up. <laughs> Every one of these aliens is immediately suspicious and horrifying. <laughs> yeah. So the phone rings and he decides this is the best time to answer the phone. It's Caitlin. Hey, Caitlin, why don't you come see my alien pets? Yeah. So he's surprised, obviously, that she's on the phone since she kind of ignored him earlier. And she wants to apologize, which is nice of her. Good job, Caitlin. Yeah. It's a very rare that teenagers have such insight into themselves. Yes. Then it becomes the most frustrating conversational scene I've seen in a movie in a long time. So she's like, we just need to let it go and lighten up about it. It's not a big deal. You know, I, she's like, I don't even think it was your fault. I actually think it was sabotage. It just seems very, you know, strange. Everything was working so well. 
But he's not listening because the, the bomb is eating his burger, and apparently it doesn't sit well with the alien because he releases basically this giant, like, fart, the stink stench that comes out. And then he eats his corn on the cob, and, like, popcorn pops all over the place. So he's just, like, having a grand old time eating all this human food. This alien creature is the worst house guest. Absolutely. And Caitlin misinterprets all of Mike's responses to the drama as responses to her apology, even though she says, he's like, oh, there's a plumber here. It's a terrible stink. And he's clearly very distracted. And she's getting like more and more angry at him for being Take distracted. Take a hit, Caitlin. And Call I, him back. Yeah. And I'm like, you, what, you're, you're smart enough to know that like, obviously something major is going on on his end of the phone. He's not, he's saying, I'm not talking to you. I'm sorry. I'm not talking to you. And like, keeps responding to the stimulus in the room. And I was like, dude, first off, just hang up. Say, I'm so sorry. I have to call you back. There's an emergency. End of phone call. Right. <laughs> but she should be smart enough to know that he's not responding to her. <laughs> Man, it's clear he's not responding to her. Contrived misunderstandings. Absolutely. It was really infuriating to listen to. <laughs> See, I like I don't hate misunderstandings or like miscommunications. I hate it when they're so clearly sub to be improbable and contrived that they don't make any sense. Yeah, this is one of those situations. Love it. All right, great. So she gets mad at him. She hangs up the phone. And then he gets, in turn, gets uh, mad at the bomb who tells him, it might make him feel better to know that he's what Earthlings call a lawyer, as you so rightly guessed, Sam. Well, I figured it out. I'm a smart boy like that. Smarter <laughs> than Mikey over here. Mike has an open and shut case against Earth. The intergalactic statute is clear. No life form of superior intelligence shall be subjected to substandard environmental, psychological, or emotional life circumstance. In short, they can sue the pants off of Earth. Okay, uh, Earth isn't part of their confederacy, whatever you want to call it. So how are they going to enforce it? against Earth. Like, they don't recognize their laws. Uh, I don't know the answer to that question. It's, I, all I know is that Earth is considered, like, a protected planet because it has non-intelligent life form on it, essentially. I, uh, this all makes no sense. <laughs> Mike tries to explain that he was just upset when he sent the message. He never actually thought it would work or like anybody would come and it was a complete accident. And the bomb is like, well, we did and nobody's going to offer you a better fee structure than myself. And Mike declines and the bomb is very angry saying it'll sue Mike for wasting his time and then it floats back up to the pipe and disappears. Okay, let's see just aliens, creepy alien dogs. What's our next alien creature going to be, Danielle? Nick. Nick walks in. Oh, okay. Well, that's Appar even more horrifying. <laughs> Apparently Mike had called him, I guess. And Mike tries to explain the, uh, the whole alien thing. And Nick is like, oh, okay, crazy pants. Like, you're starting to believe all the things you've been talking about. This is very concerning. <laughs> Just the normal response in the situation. Yeah, no. Like, obviously, <laughs> he's like, oh, you've been telling yourself those alien stories so long and now you finally cracked. Yeah, that's basically what he's saying as he's, like, walking out of the room. He's like, oh, all right. Good for you. He cut to Mike. He's stalking Caitlin at her house. But no. He gets, he gets seen immediately. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's not fine. His intentions are still terrible. <laughs> I don't think he's, like, stalking, stalking her. I think he's, like, waiting for his opportunities. She's with friends. Like, he's waiting uh -huh. for his opportunity to actually talk to her. She looks mad at him, and she walks away. And as he's, you know, going across the street, you're going to try and talk to her. Barnabas, the dog, appears and tries, to, once again, to talk him into coming. He's like, we don't have a lot of time here, Mikey boy. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> what is Barnabas offering him? He is offering him a, or it is offering him a, like, his own space to be himself, to live on Puppus, and he can just hang out and he be does, himself. So he's trying to come to Puppus. Ugh. And he doesn't have to, like, talk to, to other people if he doesn't want to. Like, he can so Barnabas live his own life. offering him sanctuary. Exactly. What's in it for Barnabas? Nothing. He's just a nice, supposedly nice Puppy. dog. <laughs> dog creature puppets. I would tell Barnabas first things first. If you want me to come to your planet, rename it from Puppets. That's a terrible name. 
<laughs> well, that's why they like dogs. <laughs> so Mike explains that kids just do dumb things sometimes, and he really didn't mean it. And now he has Barnabas, and now there's some alien lawyer after him, and Barnabas perks up at the mention of the lawyer, saying he was afraid of that. Mike has opened up a can of worms. Take a shot. <laughs> oh, it's the name of the movie! Oh! <laughs> It said more than once too, shockingly. Oh, uh, why? Why? Why would <laughs> ever be need? Why would it ever need to be said more than once? I don't know. <laughs> Barnabas explains that when Mike sent the signal out to the universe, it also signaled to the other planets that Earth had advanced to a certain technological level, and that's bad because Earth is no longer falling under the intergalactic protection for primitive life. So now it's free reign; anybody can so- come to Earth. Their moronic statute states that Earth has sub-intelligent life forms, therefore it is protectorate. But because one, because <laughs> <laughs> one jerk with a satellite dish you know, somehow magically sends a signal that reaches the other planet, suddenly they're like, oh, well, I guess that does it. Everyone on this planet is no longer protected. Yeah, give or take. <laughs> These people are all idiots. I don't think there's any intelligent life in this universe based on this movie. That's quite possible. Mike, again, tries to explain that he's not even sure how it all worked because lightning hit the dish and he doesn't feel like he could reproduce what happened. Smart. Yeah, Barnabas tells him that nobody will believe he has no control over it and that it can see what your life has become. You're disgusted, you're fed up with people, and I can take you to a place where you can be yourself. But that doesn't save Earth, though. Like, now Earth is going to be overrun by alien lawyers. I'm sure there's some kind of, like, thing they have to put into place so that they can start contact or whatever. Mm -hmm. I just think most... Uh To be fair, the aliens in this are not really messing with other people. They are only messing with him. Like, he's he's the one that's allowed to be messed with, I guess. <laughs> okay. I don't know. None of this makes sense to me, but let's, let's go on. I don't really need to get a crash course in intergalactic law. Yeah, it's not like you hear news reports in the background being like, alien invasions are taking over Paris or something. Like, that's not what's happening. <laughs> that would be better, though. <laughs> So that apparently tempts Mike. He's like, well, you know, maybe it would be better to be off planet. I don't really want to be here. Nobody likes me. <laughs> I don't like I'm not good at being a human. I mean, you're not really good at being much of anything, frankly. Ooh, <laughs> burn. No, he's fine. I'm sure he's a delightful child. So Mike says, Mike agrees. He's like, I, I do want to go, but I want to clear up some loose ends. Can you guess what the loose ends are, Sam? Is it Caitlin? It's Caitlin. Screw yeah. his family. <laughs> he doesn't care about that at all. He's a teenage boy. Of course it's Caitlin. <laughs> Uh, Barnabas is like, oh, if you must, I'll return when you're ready. (laughs) Like, he's over it. Well, doesn't Barnabas want to take a breeding pair with him so they can at least have two humans on puppets? (laughs) He's not as creepy as some of the other aliens. That's saying a lot, given his mouth. (laughs) So Mike rushes over to Caitlin's house, and they kind of Romeo and Juliet from her, her bedroom window, and Mike convinces her that he should get a second chance. And he's waiting for her to come down so they can talk it out. But as he's waiting, an alien appears sneaking behind him. First off... Why is he asking for a second chance? He did nothing wrong, really. No, he did Is it about the phone conversation and her being unreasonable about it? Yeah. Okay, well... So so that was all his fault. (laughs) This is a bad start to relationship. Such a bad precedent. Oh, I I would hope when she comes down, he's going to be like, listen, there was an emergency. You know, like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean what I was saying. It wasn't directed at you. She should figure that out. But anyway... Okay, so this alien that's behind him. I want you to imagine... No, not this again. (laughs) Jabba the Hutt's head. But orange and blue striped and like red, orange and blue striped with a giant smile of human teeth. No. Why the human teeth back? I don't know. They all have human teeth and it's so creepy. I hate this. <laughs> Did we learn nothing from the original Sonic the Hedgehog character design? <laughs> and then there were, t- imagine two worm tentacle eyes coming out of the top. And then imagine that this thing's actually quite tidy, probably only two feet tall. It has these short little legs with ankle socks and loafers on. <laughs> 
<laughs> Somebody in the props department was having fun. It's so good. <laughs> so it shoots Mike with a blast of pixie dust. I don't know. It just like comes out of his eyes or something and it, it drops him to the ground and he's kind of stuck there. Like he can move his arms, but he can't actually get up off the ground. He's like frozen there. His legs are paralyzed. Got it. Yeah. It pops up to the porch asking Mike if it can have a moment of its time. It's a very much a used car salesman. I would like to represent him for all his media throughout the galaxy. Oh, uh, want to be his agent. Yes, it does. Also, what media? This kid has no charisma. <laughs> well, you'll see in a minute. As Caitlin comes out, the alien blasts her too, and she freezes in the door. The alien tells them that they need to go somewhere more private and dissolves them into light, transporting them across the street into some bushes. Uh, creepy. It is. The alien does this, like, hard sell on how it would sell his story, and it wants to make him into a weekly series, and it could get him, you know, magazines and Weekly series? And what would the plot of that be? A teenager being mopey every week? <laughs> yes. Living his Ugh. best life. They watch, like, the romance involved. He's, like, into Caitlyn. It's a whole thing. So Mike, who's obviously unable to move except his arms, grabs the alien by his worm eyes with his working hands and strangles into submission, telling it to get lost. And harumphing, the alien pops through a purple TV that appears animated TV that appears disappearing into space. Very on the nose, these aliens. Oh gosh, so funny. Caitlin wakes up at the door, but Mike isn't there. Obviously, he's across the street and he's just coming too. He's just, you know, being able to so push himself up again. So she was unconscious, essentially. Out of, yeah, you know, he was, she was basically frozen at the door like she had no idea what okay. was going on. He tries to get her attention, but she doesn't see him and upset she goes back into the house, assuming he's somehow left. Can he not yell? He does yell, but a school bus drives by right at the same Ooh. time. And then, I know. And then she waits approximately, I don't know, 0.2 seconds and then turns around and goes back into the house. These people, like, I would not want to date somebody that capricious. Caitlin sucks. <laughs> it's weird because up until this point, she was super chill, really smart, like, and then it's just like they needed plot line to happen so they made her completely irrational <laughs> i'm like what the and heck? impatient and awful got it great well uh, apparently this is good for mike to learn <laughs> this about her before they got involved so now you can avoid that bullet yeah it's completely out of character for her which i think is interesting not that he had much character on her but i would not have thought that she would be this stupid that's a real pity at dinner that night he asked his parents if he was adopted the answer is no. <laughs> She's like, I can show you your birth certificate if you want. Those sisters trying to convince him that he definitely was. Well, the sister's a punk. I wouldn't listen to her. <laughs> and later that night, Mike is heading toward the tree fort and Nick meets up with him. Nick still doesn't believe him and is trying to convince him that he's imagining things as they settle into the fort. And then Until- Barnabas shows up. Yeah, a bright light shoots into the room and multiple aliens appear, all trying to convince him to, I don't know, represent their brand or come with him or they can represent him. This intergalactic <laughs> civilization sound, frankly, abhorrent. I it would, doesn't sound scary. <laughs> it doesn't sound scary. It, it sounds like a dystopia of commercialism. It sounds like the worst dystopia we predict for a human future, but an intergalactic level. Absolutely. And there's also this like floating squid fish head that asks them out on a date, telling them that they'd have a great time and they could cruise Andromeda. I mean, hot, yes, but you know, <laughs> let's let's you know, what's the age difference here? What's the age of consent in the galaxy? <laughs> I don't know. So Nick's freaking out and they climb out of the tree fort and cut to later that night. I don't know. I don't know. Timeline's very iffy. <laughs> that happens a lot. Mike's packing while Nick is trying to talk him out of leaving. He's still like in intent on, on getting out of there. With Barnabas. I mean, at this point, I'd be like, I have been harassed. There's no <laughs> escape from these alien predators. And I mean predators in every sense. Yeah, financial predators, sexual predators, or all I predatory. Know. Wild. Yeah. Mike insists that he doesn't belong on Earth, and as he's trying to find Barnabas, Caitlin appears at the door. She's an alien. 
No. She tells him that she doesn't get what's going on with him because he like was totally normal well, up until today. Two seconds talking to him, you might be able to explain this. I've turned around the second he wasn't there in front of you, and he's like, "I'm sorry, I've had a lot of my mind, and also I'm leaving for another planet, so I've got to go, and I'm I'm, I'm very sorry." <laughs> Caitlin's like, "What? No, and what?" And before he goes, he does turn around and he's like, I want to apologize for everything, for the dance and just everything else. For a while, you gave me a feeling that nobody else ever did, which was like, I belonged here. Uh, I think they think of a different feeling, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and he says goodbye and he wanders off to, through the house, to the back of the house, towards the tree fort. Nick just shakes his head, doesn't explain anything and walks after Mike. <laughs> and Caitlin's just left there bemused. Yeah, well, she waits a beat. She's like kind of looking after him, and then she shuts the front door and like follows after them. <laughs> okay, insane. Inside of the tree fort, for, for I don't know reasons, the aliens are still inside there arguing. They didn't follow him out of the tree fort. They're just or inside there arguing with each other. Yeah, <laughs> like, like they're like, oh, he'll come back sometime. This is where he lives. He'll have to come back here. We'll stake it out. So he steps out. He's like, okay, everybody, I'm ready to figure this all out. But before he can work anything else out with them, Barnabas appears again. Yay, Barnabas, the creepiest one of all. And as they're about to start their conversation, Caitlin appears through the door and a bright light fills the tree fort and all the aliens cry out. And the fish lady pours out of the tree fort and she yells, a thode, run for the hills. And Caitlin's okay, like, question. what? question. There was a fish lady? <laughs> I told you, like a fish squid lady, the one that was asking oh, the cruise Oh, okay, you said squid lady. I, I did not realize are the same thing she has like a fish head like a it's a human head but it has like a fin and it's pink and orange and blue and so then this she is nightmare fuel this movie and then it goes directly from the neck into squid arms <laughs> perfect absolute nightmare fuel she's like a okay. foot tall <laughs> so they all scatter when they see a female whom they call a thode which sounds very derogatory it's not a female it's just a thode we don't know. Well, I know, the but they is. see a female human, i.e., Caitlin, and no. So there's this big light that like shines oh. out of the 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 tree fort. You can tell there's like they're all panicking and screaming, and then she pours out of it, and she's like, "Oh, run for the hills!" So and then she Caitlin disappears. shows up, and this happens. They're coincidental, simultaneously not at the effect. same time. Okay. Correct. Got it. Okay. Barnabas explains that a thode is the worst worm that could crawl out of the can of worms that Mike opened. Take a shot. Really stretching that metaphor. <laughs> He'll find the choice. Choices specimens and snatch them, and then he'll tell all of his friends, and more and more will come and take more and more specimens. The specimens were humans, just to be clear. Oh, I figured that out. But like, so he's, what are they, collectors? Why do they want Absolutely. Humans? They're collectors. Okay, cool. Got it. This is that Star Trek episode that everybody knows and loves. Yeah, the one with Data as the collection? A hundred percent. Love that episode. It goes straight into that episode. <laughs> I like how uh, we both knew exactly what we were talking about. <laughs> Mike voices his frustration that he didn't even think the device would work. <laughs> And then why were you building it? <laughs> Barnabas is like, if it was truly an accident, we could appeal the case. But, and before he can finish his sentence, he's interrupted by a flash of light and a growl from the treehouse. I don't know why everything happens in the treehouse, to be honest. That's a very good question, because didn't he open the quote-unquote stargate in his backyard? Yeah. So why is everything happening in the treehouse? I don't, I don't know. Barnabas <laughs> yells at him to leave, but before they can go, Jay, that's Nick's little brother, the one he was telling the story to earlier, he comes out of absolutely nowhere and is like, oh, cool, what's the light? And run towards the treehouse, and a long tentacle pops out and pulls him into the house. Or it might be a tongue. It's unclear at this point. Okay, great. Well, we, don't, we never liked Nick anyway. Let's let him go. It's not Nick. It's Jay, his little brother. Oh, I'm sorry. We are like Jay anyway. Let's let him go. It's fine. We didn't mind Jay. Jay was fine. We didn't mind him. I was like, I didn't care. <laughs> 
Mike rushes after him and climbs up the ladder, and inside the treehouse is what appears to be a giant portal that kind of looks like an eight-foot-tall bronzish mirror, like a cat head-shaped mirror with cat ears. Uh, is this supposed to be know. like something to be contrasting to the pupper? Pu- I, what's I the planet called I, again? Pupula? Puppus. 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 Whatever. No, I don't know why it looks like a cat. It makes literally no sense with the context, but it kind of does. Uh, maybe it's not supposed to lay a cat. It just reminded me of one. It glows and then disappears with Jay inside. I told you Jay was kind of a loser. That's the end. <laughs> And the movie. A 10-year-old kid. How lame. 10-year-old kid's gone, and then Mike's like, well, I guess they got one of the things. I'm free. They can just, like, you, like, did a switcheroo on them. <laughs> no, they'll never know. Barnabas explains that the Thode will come back to collect more and more humans until he finds the perfect specimen. And this conversation seems to give Mike a plan, but you don't get to Define know what it is Define perfect yet. specimen. Well, you'll find out in three seconds, Sam. <laughs> okay, great. Is the perfect specimen Mike? No. You would think oh. so. You think that's where this is going. It's not. Cut to a bedroom in the dark. A flashlight is moving around it, and you see a varsity jacket. It's Scott's room, Sam. It's is Scott. Scott the perfect specimen? Apparently. He's a jock. He's good at computers. He's perfect in every way. All right. Oh, my gosh. Okay. If this movie is going to say that they're going to trade Jay for Scott and be like, well, Scott's out of the universe now. We don't have to worry about him. We're done. <laughs> and no, just like that's I, when I, the movie ends. I thought they were going to, like, kidnap him and do terrible things. And this is an interesting um, way that this goes. <laughs> so, okay. I was just really hoping that we would end with them trading Scott for Jay. And then be like, we don't care about Scott. He's gone. Movie over. <laughs> no. The flashlight shines in Scott's face and a hand covers his mouth. The camera pans up and you see a pig mask over the intruder. So I guess, Gross. as I said, the perfect specimen is Scott. And they get into a tussle and the mask is pulled off. And it's Nick. Nick is underneath the pig mask. Oh, shocking. No, no. Nick tells him that he was sent by Mike. Mike knows he was the one who screwed with the dance stuff and he's calling him out. He's waiting on him tonight and Caitlin is with him. Scott's Wait. like, okay, whatever. Let's get this over with. And grabs his <laughs> stuff a, and goes. What? <laughs> you break into this kid's home, assault him in his sleep. He's like, Mike's challenging you to a fight. Why can not he? <laughs> yes. I don't know. Like a computer off. I don't know what the plan was. <laughs> this is the dumbest thing. Like, if you're going to issue a guy a challenge, just issue him a challenge. You have to like, do this weird, like, I am his proxy as Lord Mike has sent to me to inform you he requests your presence at a duel this very moment lady caitlin is with him it's because mike had some stuff he had to set up sam okay sure anyway this is dumb so nick and scott show up in the backyard and the dog looks at him barnabas's voice tells him to prepare himself he's about to see things and it will be difficult for his human brain to understand and scott is like a talking dog and then already i'm confused <laughs> and then thinks it's a trick mike is playing on him totally valid yeah and then mike appears and tells him that actually he needs his help okay i mean why can't you just say that to begin with uh, i don't know <laughs> like log get into his room and be like hey we need your help scott <laughs> Yeah, instead of being like, I challenge you to a fight. JK, let's, let's uh, need your help. <laughs> so they explain the situation and tell him that they want him to be the bait. And Scott is like, even if I believe you, why would I do that? Valid yeah. question, Scott. Valid question. <laughs> if you're going to lie about the whole challenge, you could just set him up to be the bait without telling him that. I know. Why bother? So Mike tells him that, you know, he has to do it because he was born to be the hero and inspirational music starts in the background. And uh, he's Scott like, be like, uh, heroes die. I'm out. <laughs> Mike's like, you're on the same football team. We're on the same side. We're in the same part of town, the same planet. You're like, you've, you've got to do this. And also, I dare you. He's not chicken, are you? And what is he, Marty McFly? What <laughs> yeah, is this? They're super high schoolers. Scott's like, no way, I'm not a chicken. And ask what he has to do. 
I hate Which that. I, I feel Absolutely. like that might work on 15-year-olds or whatever. <laughs> Some, maybe, but like, what? <laughs> I still feel like it's a, it's insane to imagine like, oh, you just dare someone to do something and they have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And Mike is like, you don't have to do anything. Just be yourself. Be perfect. Be you. <laughs> like it'll work just as you are he's like well that's easy i can do that but that's not any explanation of what he actually has to do like well, do, all he has to, to do stand here no he just they head up to the treehouse okay. and i guess for reasons the cat mirror arrives again and i guess so the cat the, mirror is the thode yes the thode and barnabas explains that the reason why it appears is because it senses scott's perfection <laughs> <laughs> also uh that's going quite out on a limb to call scott perfect <laughs> I'm like, this is what this is the best of humanity. <laughs> no offense, Scott. I'm sure he's a great kid, but also like, oof. So a tentacle tongue reaches out and grabs hold of Scott, pulling him into the portal. And Barnabas shouts, it's time! And they all jump into the portal and zap through, I guess. The portal closes on them. Why do all your Disney Channel original movies have to end with them going to some kind of alien world to try to rescue a kidnapped child? Have all my other ones done that? Don't look under the bed? Oh, yeah. I guess that was like a dreamland. That was different than an alien planet. Well, I mean, it's some kind of it's alien environment. not my fault Disney has a thing. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Or even with the 13th year, they had to like go into the ocean, like the alien ocean world or whatever to save him, didn't they? No. He was kidnapped by the boat guy. That's right. Yeah, but that was on, but either on way, planet Earth. A lot of child you kidnapping have to have went some on. Kind of cha- you have to have some kind of challenge for the main characters, Sam. Why can't the challenge be an obstacle course instead of rescuing a kidnapped you know, child? Oh, I don't know the answer to that. Okay, well, that shows a lot about the psychology at Disney, I think. <laughs> so Thode, they're on the planet, which I assume is called Thode. I don't know. Thodes from Thodes. Thody, Thode. I mean, that's lame. Why don't they call the the dogs puppuses from puppus? I don't don't know if you ever hear what the name of the planet is, so I'm going to call it Thode. So Thode is a bit rainforesty, and Mike asks, like, what the place is, and Barnabas explains that the Thode call it a zoo, but he'd probably call it a prison. What's the difference? Waka waka. Uh, There's a T-Rex skull stuck to a tree for ambiance, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Human beings like to have uh, dinosaur skeletons around. We know this from their museums. (laughs) Barnabas leads the way through the jungle. Back in the treehouse yard, Scott is lying on the ground in the daylight, and he wakes up and is like, Oh, ha, ha, very funny, guys. Like, I don't know what the joke was, but this is stupid. And as he's looking around, Jay climbs down from the treehouse and tells him not to worry that Mike will get them out. And Scott's like, out of where? We're, you know, in his backyard. And Jay, <laughs> Jay points across the yard. A giant concrete wall with a window is set into it. Scott runs over to it and can see the forest through the window. So he's inside a building in the middle of the forest. Yeah. He's in some kind of like cage or something. They call him cages later. Meanwhile, the rest of the crew is wandering the forest. And I would say this looks like a cross between a rainforest and like Legend of the Hidden Temple, speaking of obstacle courses. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> it just has like a lot of caves and that kind of vibe and like weird things sticking out of the walls and crystals and, you know, that kind of thing. Sounds like a, a fun time. Yeah. They come across a device that looks like, uh, I would say it looks like a, a barrel, but it's kind of like a Mayan style barrel and it has orange crystals pointing out of it. And Barnabas tells him that it seems to be the master control for the cages for all the specimens. Well, that convenes this sitting out in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Classic. Must be a kid's movie. Which is where they realize, this is where they suddenly realize Scott's not with them. (laughs) They're like, where's Scott? Oh, he must be in one of the cages. Are are they morons? (laughs) It was funny because I was just getting to the point in my head where I was like, are they not concerned that Scott isn't there? (laughs) Also, Barnabas should know better. (laughs) 
It's funny. So Caitlin is wandering and she finds a window and she looks into it and it's one of the cages obviously and it's raging fire and a rock face. And it looks like each window demonstrates another species in its habitat. So like I said, it's like that Star Trek episode. <laughs> Got it. So far so good. Yeah. So one of the windows catches Mike's attention and it's an alien from the stories that he always told Jay, the ones that he had drawn for his computer. So is he supposed to be like the savior of all those kidnapped by the Thodes? I am not going to explain this to you and we'll see how what where, where you end up on it sam <laughs> so he's like obviously shocked to see them they're called the hansel and the hansel where are the gretels <laughs> I, know, eh, eh. I know what a weird name <laughs> it wouldn't a choice i don't know and so he's like oh my gosh that's crazy like like i had dreams about these i drew them and the hansel approaches the window and looks out at a bewildered mike who kind of stares at him in wonder and mike places his hand against the glass like he's having some kind of connection nick is like how did you know about them and the hansel just watches them expressively clearly i don't know i would say it looks like he recognizes him the hansel or he or she recognizes mike but i can't tell you it doesn't speak <laughs> Okay, I'm so glad we have this moment. They're all, yeah, they're having a moment. Mike promises to get the Hansel out, and they run out to find Scott and Jay as the Hansel watches them retreat. How many cages are on this planet? If the whole planet is nothing but a giant zoo, they're never going to find Scott and Jay. Well, they do pretty quickly. They run around, they <laughs> run through a cave, Great. they find them. <laughs> oh, that was easy. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take very long. I had to find the zoo map, and there was said human exhibit right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, there was probably like a sign on the thing that said Scott and Jay. You this are way. here. <laughs> They find them, but they can't hear them through the glass. And Scott and Jay aren't paying any attention because Jay's telling Scott the story of the Hansels and the baby who was adopted to Earth during the war. And Scott's like, oh, I, doesn't that sound like Mike made that story up about himself? Like he doesn't feel like he belongs on this planet. It's like a metaphor for his life. And oh, Jay's like, very yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, it does. A little 10-year-old. <laughs> After he cribbed freaking Superman for it too. So they can't obviously get in touch with them. And Barnabas suggests that there must be a key somewhere. What about the giant? master control crystals you found well they couldn't like it's just crystals pointing out of a barrel i don't they, like don't know how to work them what was the point of that thing we'll get there sam or not you'll find out maybe they're they're gonna does, blow there it is up and no open point doors <laughs> because anytime you blow up something it opens the doors of cages or prisons that's a bad design <laughs> it is so barnabas is like there's probably a key somewhere and the voice behind them says very astute and they all turn around in surprise and it's a thode. It is. It's a human. Well, it looks like a human. I've taken this form to be more <laughs> pleasing to you. He has a red glowing giant necklace and, and he pats it and he's like, I keep careful watch over this key. Like nobody's going to get it but me. <laughs> this is another instance where the villain or hero's plan would have succeeded if they'd only done nothing because why would you be like, aha, there's only one key for this thing and it's right here. Let me show you where it is yeah, and I feel bring like it if, to you. I feel like if the thode had just like let them wander, they probably would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, like, what they're going to do? If you don't literally bring the key to them, they're screwed. Oh, I think, I mean, you'll find out in a second, but I think he's trying to capture them to put them into the cages as well. Yeah, but send someone else or leave the key back in your office while you do that. Apparently he's the only so I don't know. I don't think he is, but on this planet at this moment, it seems like he's the only one. Okay, sure. <laughs> Great. <laughs> he's in charge of the whole zoo. He says not to worry about their friends because they'll be quite pampered, and Mike insists that they should be home with their own kind, and the, the man laughs telling him he of all people should talk Aww. he says they won't even be lonely because he's collecting more of them and he wanted to thank them for becoming part of his collection as well Wah, uh, 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 uh. and then he shoots his tongue out and tries to attack caitlin but they dodge and run for it caitlin seems pretty cool with all of this by the way yes he's super chill back in the tunnels because they run out of the tunnels the thode turns into a human 
frog red and green alien lizard hybrid. <laughs> what? That's what Are he they shapeshifters? No, I guess he was a human. Now he's like his clothes rip off him a Hulk style and he turns into a lizard thing. Lizard frog thing. Alright, I'm going with it. Whatever. <laughs> So I guess they come up with a plan as they're running through the jungle um, and the Thoad is like searching behind them because as the Thoad gets closer to their hiding spot, they decide to hide. Mike steps out in front of him. The Thoad asks where the others are and Mike says they're right behind him and he turns and they pull a rope thing and that swings down a cage that they magically found in the jungle, trapping the Thoad. What? I don't know, Sam. How <laughs> yeah. do they have a time to like Dennis the Menace this whole I thing know. together? You don't see that. You see them running, and then he's like, what's the plan? And then he's like, my plan was just to get here. Now we have to improvise. And the next scene is him, like, the Thode finding them and him stepping out and being like, I'm right here. We do the Thode here. (laughs) This elaborate trap. This is insane. (laughs) I feel like the end of this movie gets absurd (laughs) quickly. Wait, this isn't absurd already? It's already absurd, but just, like, keep piling on the absurdities. Okay. Caitlin grabs the key off of his necklace, and they run back to the tunnel. So the Thode is trapped inside his cage. Not for long, I presume. <laughs> Mike stops at the Hansels, telling them that he has to release it first, but they can't figure out where the key goes because there's not like a spot you just, you know, plug in the the red gem thing doesn't into. Barnabas have some insight here? He's intergalactic being. <laughs> you would think so. But it doesn't matter because the Hansel closes its eyes and does this like Zen thing and Mike is clearly getting some kind of message from him. Like, Psychic like, tell- link about here is how you open the door. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I know how it works. And he waves the stone across the window in some kind of specific pattern and the cave door opens and he tells the Hansel to leave. It's free. Run away. Go. I never wanted to love you anyway. Get out of here. Be free. <laughs> I guess the Hansel doesn't speak English because it does some kind of like thank you kind of like a asl sign but not quite <laughs> <All right. laughs> thank you and leaves the caves and they go off to rescue the others is there any point to that thing is it coming back later or is that just i'm pointless? not gonna tell you barnabas tells them they must go through the third gate that they like came through so they have to can't barnabas make his own gates like doesn't he have intergalactic travel apparently not i don't know why they have to go through the uh, specific that gate but they do i think just so they have to run back through the jungle (laughs) i mean yes but okay sure so they've gotten jay and scott out of the out of their cage and they're running back through the jungle and mike stops them at the crystal gate control and does the pattern with the key over the crystals and apparently that's all it takes because you hear the sound of doors opening and the aliens hollering as they get their freedom but they have nowhere to go because they have to get back to the third gate i well maybe they're all heading toward the third gate i don't know Maybe they can make their own gates. I don't know, Sam. Thode Gate sounds like a train station in England somewhere. It does. Next stop, Thode Gate. Followed by Worcestershire. I assume they're called Thodes because they look like toads. Okay, I mean, sure. Good enough for me. When you have a planet called Puppis, naming clearly wasn't the top priority for the writers. So they make it to the gate and dive through, celebrating their return when they realize that the Stargate is still open. Barnabas cries out that it won't close if something is still traveling in it, and they realize that the Thode has managed to escape and is hot on their trail. You mean the powerful being of indeterminate strength was able to escape your hastily improvised cage? Absolutely. Shocking. Barnabas is like, I'm going to try and contact the police. I assume the intergalactic police, but the line... No, he's calling the local PO. (laughs) The line is busy. He's like, ah, that's such a dangerous universe. Why? (laughs) Why are they so eager to bring humanity into it then? Barnabas will keep trying um, if Mike stalls him. He's like, you want me to stall a thode? What am I supposed to do? (laughs) 
Yeah, like, hey, thody, 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 look, there's something you can kidnap over there. Yeah, that's uh, basically kind of how it goes down. So the third appears and screams that he released his entire collection and he will pay. And I guess Mike's way of stalling him is just to get mouthy. And he tells him, you know what? On our planet, we eat frog legs. And the Thode lashes out with his tongue, trying to drag him back through the portal. So wait, his whole distraction is just to be like a smartass to the Thode? Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know what else you're supposed to do to the Thode, to be fair. I mean, that's a good point. I had no better plan, but I'm surprised that works. Yeah. Well, it doesn't because he gets dragged by his tongue towards the portal and everybody like jumps on him trying to hold him back. But apparently the Thode's tongue is super strong. Couldn't they just like beat the Thode with like a pipe or something? Right. Like sticks in the woods in the backyard. I don't know. Yeah. They could probably find some bats or whatever. I'm sure they have the equipment to, to, to render a Thode unconscious if necessary. <laughs> well, I guess not. They're just right now they're just trying to hold Mike down to the ground so that he doesn't get dragged into the portal because he's getting closer and closer. But finally, the police arrive. Okay. Couple of things yes uh, i just i just thought of this if the intergalactica police are a thing everyone knows the thodes kidnap creatures why have they not been arrested before uh apparently there are warrants out for the thodes arrest but they've never been able to catch him well they don't know where it is why yeah they don't know where the planet is apparently yeah <laughs> they mean like, they don't know where the planet is maybe they have to use the thodes there's a line earlier in the in the movie <laughs> where the barnabas says that once he gets to his planet he's safe like he's only unsafe if he's off planet so maybe okay, there's but some everyone kind of seems protection. able to get to earth magically so why are the other planets somehow secure i don't know maybe his planet has like protections or wards on it or something okay whatever <laughs> I don't know. There is a throwaway line about how once he gets to his planet, like nobody can touch him. I'm just saying the police could set up a sting operation just as like if these Absolutely. 15 year old kids could do it. The police here are <laughs> incompetent, <laughs> which again is not you know terribly unreflective of reality in many ways. <laughs> okay. Well, the police are here, Sam, and uh, it's a giant animated door that appears on the ground that says police. Like it's a almost like one of those telephone boxes kind of little Dr. Yeah, police box. Yeah, yeah gotcha. <laughs> with uh it says police and it has sire like there's sirens going off and dramatic music plays and a blue humanoid alien with a red light on its head <laughs> like sure. rotating light pops nothing out nothing can surprise me anymore danielle <laughs> pops i'm jaded telling them to freeze he's got over a hundred warrants on the phone and he holds him at gunpoint locking him in future handcuffs the cop takes statements before taking the phone away great yay everyone say yay scene to a football game no Mike's i thought we were done with the football <laughs> mike's sitting on the bench when barnabas runs up to tell him that the federation has handed down its ruling they've deemed the initial transmission to be accidental and earth is now classified again as a protected planet okay great but also duh but second this is a horrifying future for humanity if we ever manage to master <laughs> no. any kind of intergalactic communication and hopefully they don't uh, yeah the, no kidding the thode has been sentenced to jail and the hansel is safe and thankful mike is relieved that the planet is saved okay question why is the hansel so important what about all the other aliens that he released from the cages who sam <laughs> i have feelings let me finish and then we can talk about the hansel okay Okay. <laughs> so Barnabas lets him know that he still has a place on his planet if he'd like to come. And Mike decides that Earth is actually his home. So even if it doesn't always feel like it. So they say their goodbyes and Barnabas runs off. Mike gets sent into the game, the football game, immediately being piled upon during a run. And Scott shows up to help him up, asking why he stays on the team. Mike says, believe it or not, it's where I belong. And it isn't. Scott, and I'm going to prove it to you. And Scott you don't is like, like football. Just leave. <laughs> it's fine. All. You don't have to like everything. You should be like Scott going to like some art class and be like, I hate painting, but I'm going to be here because it's where I belong. Like, no. 
Scott's like, okay, Pillsbury, um, and helps him up off the ground. And the cheerleaders do a go mic cheer, and Peppy's 90s synth music plays as they head into the huddle. The Is end. There a movie? That's okay. The end of the movie. What is the point of anything in this movie? I don't, Sam. I have so many feelings about this movie because I feel like there's a huge plot thread with the Hansel that does not get resolved. <laughs> this feels, again, like we, we have the same thing when we talk about Don't Go to the Bad, where there was, seems to be a bunch of plot lines that were cut. Or, no, it was 13th Year we had that. Either yeah. way, in both of them, it seems like they do no, a Don't Go to of... the Bad is perfect as it is. 13th okay, Year definitely sure. has some plot lines that are missing. <laughs> Either way, it seems like Disney has a habit of trimming probably for time, these movies to fit their TV slots and yeah, and for the commercial breaks and end up trimming a bunch of the, you know, secondary plots that help make sense of anything. Right. Like, why does Mike have dreams about these aliens? Why does he, like, know their entire history of this planet, of on, like, of the Hansel? He, he knows the Hansel exists, but he is supposedly human. And then he has a moment with the Hansel when he finds him and they're like, whatever, psychic they speaking. Commune. Like, is he a Hansel? <laughs> like, what the heck, man? <laughs> Absolutely insane. Also, he took the wrong lesson from the football team. Like, that's a terrible message. <laughs> Not the, the lesson. The terrible message is, if someone tells you to do something, like go on a football team, even if you hate it, keep doing it, because otherwise you'll disappoint other people. And you're like, no. <laughs> Self-care, my dude. Yeah, he should have stood up for himself and said, you know what? I'm not doing it. <laughs> he should have been like, Dad, I love you. I appreciate you're trying to help, but I do not like football. and I'd rather do X, rather be on the chess club or the computer club or whatever and put my injuries there. Yeah. And his father learned a valuable lesson about respecting the interests of his child. <laughs> if it's a like, semi-adult child at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely insane. Terrible messages. F minus on this yeah. movie. <laughs> Just a wild ending. I was so mad. <laughs> It's not the Indian stuff isn't wild. The ending is just abrupt and it doesn't tie up any of the loose ends. No, it's just I don't understand why you have an entire plot circling around a boy who doesn't believe he belongs on Earth and then seems to find out that maybe he doesn't belong on Earth and just kidding, he's a human. What? <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. I wish like the whole dream thing was just like the Hansel being like, yeah, so my kid, he built a little thing in his backyard that was sending out dream messages. And I guess one got to you by mistake. It was the whole thing. I struck by lightning. Basically the same story, but just reversed. Or like the Hansel was communicating with him to like, I don't know, they had some kind of connection for XYZ reasons. So it was like he was trying to bring somebody to rescue him from the planet. Like we could have easily like hand waved that away with like some kind of psychic connection with a higher intelligence or something. Or just not had anything with the Hansel to begin with. Yeah. It was just like an odd choice. <laughs> it was entirely superfluous. It makes me want to read or like, it, well, it makes me want to read the book, actually. I wonder if there's a whole like reason behind the Hansel in the book, if they exist in it. I do think we have a nice tradition here on Bookie Tours of trying to do book movie pairs. Maybe we'll do that. We'll do <laughs> Maybe. A, um, yeah. We'll see if the book's any different. Well, thank you for sharing that, Danielle. I'm not sure I understood it. In any way. I also believe that this did not take place on Earth because none of the characters behave like human beings. So mm -hmm. there's that. <laughs> there's my there's my theory to make this make sense. Is this is not Earth and this is also some weird thing happening on some alien planet. That's quite possible. They do call it Earth, but what do I know? I mean, maybe that's just their word for Earth. Earth just means like dirt in our language. So <laughs> That's true. It's like Terra. Yeah. Terra, Earth, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter. It's, 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 it's all the same. So maybe this is just like the alien word for it. Anyway, if you want to fund our program for contacting aliens, because I think we, you and me, Danielle, would be the best representatives of Earth <laughs> to contact aliens. Do we want to contact aliens? They seem terrible in this movie. <laughs> 
I mean, Danielle, come on. Don't you want to be famous? Uh, no. The Hansels seem like the only chill species in this entire movie. Don't you want to meet a talking dog with terrifying blue lip collars? I mean, I wouldn't say no. Don't you want to satisfy the dreams you're always having about an alien race? I don't think I'm having dreams about an alien race. So, you know, you don't play remember all again, your dreams. Thank you for being my <laughs> improv partner on this podcast. That's the last time I tried to involve you in a bit. Oh, sure it is. Until next week. <laughs> Well, I tried, Danielle. I tried to get some business going, and you just rejected it. So I guess there's no business this week, everyone. Send your money to the ASPCA or something. Well, we're we're still doing so well with the dehumidifier that I didn't really feel like we needed new business this week. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's going off like gangbusters. <laughs> Join us next week for more dehumidifiers. <laughs> well, well Sam does uh, part four of <laughs> yeah. The Fall of Hyperion. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you want to send us your ideas or who you think would be the best person to contact aliens, Same you can do me. so at bookretorts.com. You can also tweet or Instagram or Facebook us at bookretorts. Until next week, if you're a teenager, let me tell you, you'll grow out of it and you'll be happier <laughs> for it. Don't worry, it gets better. Just hang in there, buddies. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. It sucks, but it gets better. And until then, bye. Bye. Take care, everybody. We should have gone to the bathroom. This should have been pea pot time. <laughs> it should have been pea pot time. <laughs> also, what what is pea pot? That you had a pot of tea and you needed to pee. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs>